As a writer, I started journaling as soon as I could pick up a pen. In 2010, I decided to journal in a much more public way by creating my blog, MSThing.com. That's what he said is an extension of my blog and what I like to consider a weekly peek into my personal journals. As someone who's always had a knack for making the ordinary extraordinary, each week you can expect to hear all about what the hell I've been doing, what I'm reading, watching, and listening to, and plenty of opinions and asides along the way. Consider me your office bestie you don't hang out with outside of work, but love to catch up with. Welcome to That's What He Said. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of your fave pod, That's What He Said. So today is part two of the Ask Me Anything But Wedding Questions series because I left a lot of your questions unanswered last week. I just did not have time to get through them all. So we will get to those in part three, but for now, let's dive into what the hell I've been doing since we last spoke. So last week was the birth of the great dress debacle. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you either don't follow me on Instagram at Emma's thing or you do, but don't check my stories incessantly. Regardless, last week, basically, here's what happened. I shared two dresses with my audience and asked them to vote on which one I should wear to my cousin's upcoming wedding, which is this month. It's the weekend before Christmas. Now, the wedding is black tie optional, and I know for a fact that most people will be in long dresses, and it's essentially a holiday wedding because, like I just said, it's the weekend before Christmas. So both of these dresses, by the way, are gorgeous. One is an A-line T-length dress with a very full skirt and a belt around the waist in this gorgeous like metallic pattern with black, gold, and silver. Very holiday-esque, very holiday forward. The other is a really straightforward black floor-length dress with a bit of a cowl neckline, spaghetti straps, a side slit, and some very flattering ruching. So... Sharing these two dresses launched a dress debate, the likes of which I have never seen on my Instagram, and I loved every minute of it. Like, honest to God, the moments where I involve you guys so fully in my content and create this like immersive group experience are the best moments to me, and I wish I could do it more often, but... You know, it just depends on what I'm obsessing over that week, and sometimes it's not worth involving people in. The amount of DMs that I got from total strangers essentially explaining the why behind their choice was so wild and so fucking fun. Uh, The vote was pretty much 50-50 with a slight lean toward the black dress. So I decided that Zach would be our tiebreaker and I did a real-time try-on for him on Friday night when he got home for work. And it honestly went better than I could have ever imagined. Like that is what I love about Zach so much. And especially when it comes to having him participate in any of my content, he's not the center of attention or class clown or guy with the jokes. He's just funny by nature because he is so genuinely himself and he plays it straight and it often makes for such comedic gold, which it totally did Friday night when I put on this fashion show for him. So essentially, he loved both of the dresses, but he thought that the A-line one was cooler than the other if you call describing a dress as really cool curtains or wallpaper as cool. (laughs) 
But ultimately, he was of no help, and we love him for that, or at least I do. And at this point, the dress saga, it's gotten to the point where I've had friends personally texting me, yelling at me over text about why I should choose one dress over the other. So just to give those who are invested in an update, where we're at now with this whole thing is that... I'm still undecided. I still have both dresses. I'm not keeping both of them. So a lot of people said that I should. Absolutely not. I just, I don't have the money for that. And I also don't have enough events to keep both of them. So I am actually going to put on the same fashion show for my mom this week. And you guys will find out which dress I chose when I reveal it the weekend of the event. And if you're thinking it is so Emma to make someone else's wedding about her dress choice, you know me very well. (laughs) I have a strong idea of which one I'm going with, but if the last year taught me anything in terms of buying outfits for big events, A, I've learned that I hate it, and B, I learned that I change my mind constantly and without warning. So anyway, if you missed this entire dress debacle, I saved the coverage in an Instagram highlight on my Emma's Thing account titled The Dress, so be sure to catch yourself up on all that drama. So on Thursday night last week, Whitney and I met up for dinner out on the town, which we haven't done in forever. Life has just been super busy. She's been super pregnant and still is. And they also moved into a new place, which has caused their dog severe anxiety. So Whitney has pretty much been on house arrest because she can't leave her dog alone for long periods of time. But the good news is that her dog is adjusting. She has some anti-anxiety meds. She's getting better. So we were able, Whitney was able to sneak out of the house and go to dinner with me on Thursday. And we went to Neighborhood Services, which is more or less a Dallas staple. And they just opened a new location off of Oak Lawn. And in general, I mean, it was fine. Like, it was pretty good. I would say that they've scaled the menu down a lot. I haven't been in a really long time, and I feel like it used to be really vast and have a bunch of stuff on it. Now it's just much more of a like a boutique menu. There are just a few choices per section. So I got an extra dirty martini, which was really fucking good. They made it very well. Like, I wanted a second, but... I controlled myself and I got their cheeseburger, which was all right, but really the main point of being there was to catch up with Whitney anyway. Her baby shower is this weekend and it we are hosting it. All the girlfriends are hosting it and can hardly believe that she is in her third trimester. She's due in February and it's just been so crazy. Like I have realized that time sort of crawls when it's one of your best friends who's pregnant because you know so early along with her. And so it just feels like they're pregnant forever. But Whitney is carrying it so well. And she's been just such a lovely pregnant woman. And I'm really proud of her. And I cannot wait to shower her ass off this weekend. It's going to be so fun. So Friday night, Z and I made a steak and potato dinner at home and spent the evening decorating our tree. And it's always just so fun. And my favorite part of getting Christmas set up in the house, this is going to be our third Christmas together. And we've gathered some pretty cute ornaments over the years. I would say that our ornaments are like half meaningful 
inside jokes and symbolic of our personalities and the other half are filler and like obviously I want to get to the point where there's no filler but finding good ornaments takes time this is something that I've learned as a Jewish woman in a mixed faith marriage anyway once we were done decorating we settled in and started the white lotus season one which I will be talking about in part two so stay tuned for that and then on Saturday we slept in and once we woke up we cozied up on the couch with coffee and watched the world cup and it was like a really slow easy Saturday morning and then we took a midday break from our vegging and ventured into the public so Zach had a few errands that he could get done and all of that and we ended up eating brunch at Lucky's Cafe off of Oak Lawn and Lucky's is definitely for sure a Dallas it's a Dallas institution has been where it's been for Ever. And I always forget about it as like a go-to breakfast and brunch place. So I'm very glad that we went because it reminded me of how delicious it is. It's just total diner food, but the vibe is so lovely. And I feel like that's due in part to the fact that it's kind of like on the edge of the neighborhood. So you're getting all walks of life in there on any given weekend morning. And one of Zach and I's favorite pastimes, if not our favorite pastime, is people watching. So there's lots of that. The food's amazing. We both got omelets, which was very out of character for me. Like, I never, ever, ever order an omelet, but I'm really trying to be better about protein. So I just kind of went for it, and it turned out to be really delicious. And we also got one single pancake to share, which was divine and like a perfect breakfast dessert. And then afterwards, we walked a few doors down to this wine and cheese shop called Scardello's. And it has also been in Dallas forever. And I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I feel like it used to be a a really popular date spot, like amongst my friends, if I ever heard about them going on dates, you know, a lot of them would go to Scardella's and do like a cheese and wine thing. And Zach really wanted me to go there because I hadn't ever been inside. So we did that and we ended up getting a little charcuterie board with cheese and dried fruit and meats and crackers to take home for later. And let me tell you, it was the perfect snack box around like 4.30 that day. Like all of our brunch had digested. We weren't ready for dinner. So we busted out that uh, charcuterie box and it was freaking fantastic. So definitely keep that in mind if you're wanting to do something like that. Obviously, it'd be very cute to do that and like pack it up and take it, you know, on a picnic. And then Saturday night, we broke out our new Scrabble board so I could play Scrabble for the first time ever. Yes, really. Like I have never once played Scrabble until Saturday night with my husband at age 35. And I just blame that on my family. Like my family just wasn't and isn't really into games. Like we weren't a game family. We went to dinner and to the movies most weekends, you know, like that's how we spent our weekends. The only games I would say that we ever played or got into were very like theater driven games with acting and stuff like that. So like Taboo, Charades, Seen It. Oh my God. Do you guys remember Seen It? I dominated at that fucking game like I wonder if they're still making versions of it because if they are I would be very interested in getting an updated one um anyway I just I just remember too about Cena that for some reason the music on it really creeped me out so bad like all of the different sound bites and sound effects and music and whatever they would use to count down to things and transition between things 
I just would get so freaked out. Like if I heard it today, I think I would be immediately sent back in time and be wigging out a little bit. But anyway, all that to say, we were just we weren't like a board game or cards type of family. So Scrabble was foreign to me pretty much until Saturday night. And let me assure you that I in no way went into that game being like, oh, I'm going to dominate. I'm a writer. Words are my thing. I fucking got this. No, like I may write for a living, but I would not say that my vocabulary is extensive. I, I want it to be. I wish it was. And you know, that's a big reason why I'm trying to read more and more because I hope that that helps my vocabulary become more expansive but I don't know anyway so we played very hard we had so much fun we had black Manhattans while we were playing so that probably like skewed the game for both of us which is totally fine I I just I fucking loved it I loved Scrabble and I cannot wait to play again um and I will say that it was such a brain exercise that when we were finally done both of us were like drained mentally like actually physically kind of tired um and the by the time that we were done with the game it was almost like nine and we hadn't eaten since since we had our little charcuterie board in a box so we ended up ordering velvet taco and split a frozen margarita because they deliver frozen margaritas which is so tight and we continued watching white lotus and all in all i I would say it was a fabulous Saturday evening. So Sunday was a big day because Sunday was the Cowboys game I had bought us tickets to as Zach's wedding present. And I went all out on the seats, y'all. Like I did not hold back. If this was the gift I was going to give him, I wanted the seats to be pretty fucking epic. So I was very excited to get there and see how good they were. Um, But before that, during the day, Zach kind of worked in the yard and he hung our Christmas lights like a regular Clark Griswold. And I got in my last lift and cardio session for the week. So that felt really good. I also made a terrible smoothie. God, like... I don't know why I'm even mentioning it, but it just, I just remembered. It's just like, usually my smoothies are so good. I have it down to a science, but I didn't have bananas on hand. So I tried to supplement that with other things and different fruits and sort of winged it. And Jesus, it was so foul. It was disgusting. So needless to say, by the time we left to go to the stadium around like 4.45, I was starving. But we made it out there. We paid out the ass for parking, of course, and entered Jerry World. And look, I hate filthy, rich, seedy white men as much as the next person. But what Jerry has built with the Cowboys within the AT&T Stadium is fucking insanity. It's just so next level. It's almost like you don't even need to go for the game, really. Like the people watching and everything that's going on with all of the different little bits of entertainment, the screens and the sound and everything. It's like everywhere you look is entertainment in and of itself. But our seats were fucking incredible, which made both of us so happy and so pumped up. And before the game, we got super mediocre burgers and Uh, cheesesteaks and drinks, all of which were insanely overpriced, but we had such a good time. It was just a fucking blast and Zach was so into it. And that's all I really wanted. I mean, that's why I wanted to uh, take him as his present. Oh, also they laid out like really small Cowboys 
towels on everyone's seat in the stadium so you could use it as like a prop and spin it above your head during the game to cheer them on and so on and so forth. And a lot of people didn't show up in our section, which I have to assume means that they're like season ticket holders and they can just like leave their seats empty. I literally don't understand that kind of money, but whatever. Um, So a lot of them didn't show up. So I ended up leaving with five of the towels. And I am so excited because I'm going to use them as my workout towels at home, like when I'm on the Peloton and stuff, because I always want a towel. And I always end up grabbing for like our bathroom towels, which is not at all what I want to be doing. So honest to God, the fact that I got to leave with five of those towels right there, that was worth going to the game. So that was the weekend, guys. I also had such a strong week last week in terms of getting my lifts and cardio in and drinking all the water every day and reading my book. And I completely attribute that to the Scantron bubble sheet that I mentioned last week. It's just the one that I made for the remainder of the year is really helping me stay on track and It just provides such a feeling of accomplishment when I'm able to fill all the bubbles out. So I'm hoping to have another strong week this week. I feel like I have more distractions and plans this week than I did last week. So those might get in the way, but my plan is to work with them instead of around them and try my damnedest to put all of my exercise first, but it doesn't always work out like that. So we will see. Okay, let's talk about what I've been reading, watching, and listening to. So I am over halfway through the last book in the Akatar series. And dear God, for everyone who has read them and wrote me saying that this last book is the horniest of them all, you are not lying. Oh my God. Like the sexual buildup in this book is so insane and she is really the author is really taking her sweet time and having the characters basically basically go through all the bases before she gets them to the home plate like literally they are going like first base second base third base and I mean it's been a wild horny ride (laughs) I am really enjoying it and you know, I maybe have Googled fan art of how all the characters look. Yeah, like whatever. I'm a nerd. I own it. I don't care. Like it, that kind of shit brings me back to my Harry Potter days when I was, the books were all so new and fresh and I was so obsessed with them. And there was this thing called mugglenet.com. And I went on that shit, you guys, every fucking day. Like I remember being in high school and that is a site that I checked numerous times a day because they would post all of this. They would post like any Harry Potter news at all. Like that's where I saw a lot of exclusive behind the scene footage of like the movies being made and paparazzi pictures and stuff like that and kind of like get into discussions with other muggles about Harry Potter stuff. (laughs) Oh my God. Like it just feels good to care about like a fantasy series so much again to the point where I'm like wanting to look up what these characters you know are imagined to look like um from their fans online it's just really interesting anyway um I haven't been listening to anything new besides the podcast I always listen to and then my Spotify wrapped 2022 playlist which is obviously banging and I swear 
I feel like others have to feel like this. I swear sometimes I forget that that's what I'm playing and I'll be like listening to these songs and be thinking, God, this playlist is just so good. Like, how does it know all the songs I love? And then I remember that it's my fucking playlist of the songs I loved and it all makes sense. Anyway, so as for what we've been watching, we started and finished White Lotus season one over the weekend into Monday night. Like we started it Friday and then we finished it on Monday. And I am fully aware that we are late to the game. That's just kind of like how we roll sometimes. And I would be lying if I didn't say that the main draw to even watching The White Lotus is knowing that season two takes place at the hotel we stayed in in Taormina, Sicily on our honeymoon. But wow, what a great show. It's just so different. Like such an interesting study on people. I mean, privileged people at that. And then some just like very fucked up people from all walks of life. I just love the dynamics so much and truly was guessing up until the very last moment who was going to die. I love the character development and the score. The score adds so much to the show. Like just all the little background I don't even know what you call them I mean they're not sound effects and it's I guess it's music but anyway I just I've never seen anything like it and I'm surprised I really am surprised that it took this long for someone to figure out a fictional series that takes place in the hotel industry it's just so smart and like you can always I mean you can keep the series going for a really long time because there's always new guests who all have new stories and new lives so I mean the cringe moments are frequent and there are a lot and Zach was legitimately curled up in a ball trying not to look and just getting so red in the face like he could barely take some of the scenes and my anxiety was through the roof most of the show but at the end of the day Zach and I really liked it a lot and we will be starting season two as soon as possible like probably this week by the time you've listened to this I would be willing to bet that we're at least like three or four episodes into season two. And I've probably already cried three or four times because of all of the shots of Sicily. And I can just only imagine how many times I'm going to be sitting there being like, oh my God, we were there. Oh my God, we saw that. Oh my God, we did that. And then for the other shows that I talked about last episode, we have not watched the latest with uh, Fleischman is in trouble and Welcome to Chippendales yet. So we definitely have some catching up to do and we will most likely do that this week. Okay, guys. So let's get into the unanswered questions from my AMA series. Last week's questions covered pregnancy, first dates, home decor style, getting out of health threats, and things that make me feel bougie. This week, we have the same kind of variety and there's a lot to go over so let's dig in okay so the first question this week says how different is too different for communication style in a relationship sorted together for one year not sure how hard it should still be i would say that this is a pretty big issue because communication is the number one thing in a relationship that needs to be aligned pretty much at all times. If you are not communicating and understanding each other, I just don't see how a relationship can last. And that's not to say that communication skills can't be worked on and improved and talked about. I mean, of course they can. Like it's, I don't think that any two people have ever started out communicating the exact same. I mean, and completely avoiding miscommunications. That's 
part of growing a long-lasting relationship. I mean, when Zach and I first met, he was completely overwhelmed by how overly communicative I am and how I always want to be in touch and how much I text and tell him every single little thing about my day. That was just something he had never experienced before. And so we definitely had some workarounds with communication. Like we had to figure each other out. And I remember it was even to the point where (laughs) he set a reminder in his work calendar every day at noon to check in with Emma because that is how not used to being in touch with his significant other uh, he was. And so, but we figured it out and now we completely understand how the other one communicates and all of that. Um, So I would say that it's incredibly important. And if after a year of sort of being together, you're still struggling I mean, that to me just says that the intention to maybe actually make this a real relationship isn't even there in the first place. So why would anyone be working on figuring out the other's communication skills and style? So I guess my answer to this question would be if you actually want this to, you know, blossom into not just sort of being together, but actually being together, then you guys definitely need to get on the same page with how you communicate. But if you don't even see a future here, uh, what are you doing? The next question was someone who asked, how do you set boundaries with family during the holidays? Now, I don't necessarily feel like I have to set any boundaries. This is the general you. So I would say that First and foremost, you need to be in charge of your own schedule as much as you can. Like you have your own life, you're independent, you're used to doing things your way, you have things you maybe want to get done before and after holiday festivities. So don't let whoever is hosting or running the show tell you what time you need to arrive by and how long you need to stay if neither of those times align with your life and what you were thinking. I would say that's the first thing that's going to, you know, make you feel like you have freedom in the situation. And then the other thing is as soon as someone asks you something or bring something up that you don't want to answer or talk about, I would nip it in the bud with a very simple response like, you know, I'd rather not answer that or talk about that topic in general. That's it. Like just put it to bed immediately and try to remember that your mental health needs to be in check before you can worry about anyone else's. So if that means that you need to cut out early or take a random walk around the neighborhood midday or something like that, then do it. And if anyone gives you a hard time for any of the above, fuck them. Someone asked what my financial advice is to save for future goals. So first of all, I'll say that I've done a piss poor job of saving this year. It's been the most expensive year I've ever had personally, and I don't regret any of it, but I've definitely spent more than I've saved. So I'm in the process right now of kind of coming to grips with that and chalking it up to, you know, some years just be like that. And next year absolutely won't be. Next year will be a saving year. But I will say that how I typically save is I have a recurring transfer set up via my bank account. 
accounts. So once a month, my checking deposits money into my savings without me even thinking about it or having to do it manually or anything. I also work with a financial advisor who handles my 401k contributions and I have automatic transfers set up through him as well. So, you know, I'm covered on those fronts. And back when I was in corporate world and I didn't owe taxes, which is all I do now as a freelancer, I would put at least 80% of my tax return directly into my savings as soon as I got it. And I would use the leftover 20% to treat myself to something. So I would say that saving is all about the little ways that you find to contribute to your future rather than trying to stockpile a bunch of money all at once. Like it's all built up and every dime that you put toward that is more money toward that and that slow growth will really surprise you. And the automatic deposits are, they're key. They're absolutely key. So you never have to remember to do it yourself or even think about it. Like you decide on that amount of money that you're going to take from your paycheck and put into your savings every single time you get paid and it's like set and forget it. Uh, Those are my top saving tips. So someone asked, how did you deal with the feeling of hopelessness before you found Zach? So I would say that my shortest answer here is that no matter how low I got or how hopeless I felt, I would cling cling onto that tiny like teeny tiny remainder of false hope as hard as I possibly could even on my worst days even after the 20th bad breakup or failed romantic endeavor and don't get me wrong it was torture I know that feeling of hopelessness a little too well honestly more than I would have ever liked to and it's especially terrible when literally everyone around you is coupling up and getting married and having babies or they're on their second baby and you can't even meet one decent dude that you'd like to go on a second date with like it's hell it's fucking hell and there were multiple times throughout my decade of dating and uh, being single off and on that I decided maybe love just wasn't for me and I was meant to be on my own forever and it fucking killed me to think like that but I I started to try and maybe accept that that was my reality in hopes of <laughs> I don't know of not feeling hopeless I mean I just something that did help me a lot was um, actually something that my therapist said to me one time she basically said you know you say everyone around you has found love except for you so if you think that everyone is capable of finding and having love what makes you so special that you won't do you really think that you're that different that you won't eventually find it too and that sort of flip of the script really helped me in my darker times like it was this tricky way to remind myself that if I really believe what I said which was there's a lid for every pot that surely mine was somewhere and I wasn't that special of a person that there wasn't going to be someone for me but with that I will also say that crying it out and throwing pity parties for yourself and all that 
they can help. Like when you're having that bad of a time, they can help. So don't skip out on those. And if you're having a bad day, just lean into it because it will pass and you will get excited about someone again soon and feel that hope come back even if they're the wrong someone. It's just some for some people, it's a very long and winding road to get to who you're supposed to be with. And it still blows my mind. I mean, if you listen to my vows in part two of the wedding recap episodes, then, you know, I said it in my vows that for five years, Zach and I were less than a half mile away from each other in the same neighborhood, like literally one street over. And it just, he was with someone, he was married. So all the hopelessness I was feeling, it was for not. It was just that it wasn't our time yet. And I think that's another really good thing to hold on to as well. Like there is someone out there for you, but they don't know who you are. You don't know who they are. They may be wrapped up in some bullshit right now. And that's what's keeping you guys from meeting. But you will meet them when the time is right. And you have no control over when that's going to be. So, you know, again, if you're having a really bad day with it all, absolutely let yourself have that bad day, but come out of it remembering that the universe is in control of when they're going to be put in your path and you just have to try your damnedest to keep your faith and trust what will be will be. Someone asked, if you weren't a writer, what would you do? And I'm I'm going to answer this in the simplest of terms, meaning like if everything was exactly how it is in my life right now, minus the fact that I was a good writer and that's what I did for a living, what else would I do? Um, And I would say that I would probably lean into my love of sound studios and behind the camera work and try and be like a producer or an editor or like learn to work the camera, just like be involved in some way of the making of things. If I weren't, if I wasn't writing them, I would want to be involved in the creation of them. But you know, all that to say, I fucking love my setup now with the writing and the content creation and influencing. It really, for me, gives me the chance to offer the best of all my talents in a bevy of different ways. But I've always said that if everything fell to shit tomorrow, like if I, you know, had no money coming in and wasn't getting hired for anything that I would gladly go back to working a real retail job. Like I swear, sometimes I go into Nordstrom or Madewell and I feel envious of the employees there. I don't really know why. Like I, I worked in retail in high school and college, like all throughout high school and college. And while, yeah, like it can be extremely grating and can definitely be the worst at times. I love the interaction with customers and getting to observe people. And, you know, every once in a while, you'll get that like one person who comes in with a really high intent to buy and you're just like selling them stuff and it's going really well and you have a great day. So for me, retail is always something that I can fall back on. But yeah, to go back to the question that was actually asked, if I wasn't a writer, I would want to be kind of like on the studio side of things, like in a recording studio, editing editing together videos, editing uh, podcasts, um, something like that. Okay, the next question is, does being married feel 
different than you expected. Um, and I will say not at all. <laughs> Honestly, most days I forget that we're married, like not in a bad way, but in a, yeah, of course I'm married to Zach. We've been married since forever kind of a way. Like it just feels very natural and like it always has. I think that people make a lot of assumptions like you get married and you are like the high that you feel from your wedding day and from your honeymoon goes on forever and ever and ever. That is not the case. Like everything feels as it always has in the best way. Like I think it'll feel different when we have kids. Like that will definitely change the dynamics of our relationship for sure. But really the only difference that I feel now is more security and stability. So you know, it's all good things. Like the differences that I feel are all good, positive things. And, you know, I mean, I feel like maybe once we figure out bank accounts and I change my name officially, maybe then, like maybe it'll feel different than I expected. But no, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what I expected. Like I said, you, you're you on such a fucking high for like three weeks. It's like, the week before your wedding, your actual wedding, your honeymoon. So let's say like you get this crazy intense uh, wedded bliss high for like a solid month. And then, you know, you got to get back into real life. And, you know, I'm still very like the fact that I get to call Zach my husband and I see him wearing his ring, like it still makes me giddy and I love it. But, you know, it's just Emma and Zach. Easy, baby. Okay, this next question is very interesting. So she said, I have a friend in a toxic relationship who is engaged and any girls gathering ends in tears and like a council session. So how do I politely ask this to not be brought up on a bachelorette and take over the entire trip? This is a tough one. This is tough because it depends on how close you are with this girl, which it sounds like you're definitely within her immediate friend group, especially since it sounds like you've sat front row for all of these tears and counseling sessions. So if you are close to her and you can, I would gently remind her that this is a fun trip for your friend and it's about celebrating her and her happiness and let's let that be the focus and nothing else. But the thing is, you have to keep your expectations low because Alcohol plus a girl's trip equals confessions and tears and deep talks. And I just am not sure that this can really be entirely avoided. Like maybe she can corner someone besides you and have an individual sob sesh on her own away from the bride and not take away from the festivities. Like maybe you can make sure that it's a contained emotional breakdown that's on the other side of where you're staying. I don't know, but... I just don't know if you can truly put a stop to it coming up at all, especially because the relationship that she's in is so toxic. And like you said, I mean, it already sounds like it takes over most of your gatherings, which fucking sucks so bad. Like, I don't even know you or this girl, but I'm already like, get the fuck out. What are you doing? Like, literally, what the fuck are you doing? But I don't know. Like, if if nothing else works, maybe employ your boldest, most honest friend to nip it in the bud and be the bad guy. I think that would probably be my move. And it, uh, now that I say that, I realize that it would probably be me who had to nip it in bud and say that to the person. But I totally get where you're coming from. That's so 
frustrating and shitty, especially because it is a situation that she can control and she doesn't have to be in a such a shitty toxic relationship to the point where she is always, you know, breaking down about it whenever the friends get together. Like, uh, that just sucks. I'm really sorry for her and for you and your friends. And just just try to steer the conversation away from that. And if it starts to become a thing, literally take her aside, like take her into a room and be like, hey, like we can talk about it, but in here, because I don't want to ruin this for the bachelorette. Like, let's not do that. Okay. So speaking of women and girls and friends, um, someone asked me who is a female icon that you admire. And hands down, it has always been and will continue to be Mindy Kaling. I have loved her since The Office and I've read all of her books and I've watched every show that she has either starred in or directed or written or produced. And I just think she is absolutely incredible. She is a phenomenal woman. She is so insanely intelligent. She's so smart. She's so witty. She is a fashion icon. She's an incredible fucking writer. Some of the absolute best office episodes were written by her. I just think that she is a force and she will always, always be my icon. Even the way that she wrote her books in the first person and told her stories. It's exactly how I want my future books to read once I get around to writing them. I just, I hold her in such high regard and I feel like anything she touches turns into gold. And, you know, knowing about her come up and how she got started and how she never let anything get in her way is just so empowering and I just think she's absolutely incredible. Someone asked me if my niece and nephew, uh, Sloan and Jack, were at the wedding. And no, they were not. You know, everyone decided, but mostly their parents decided that they're too young and it was going to be too much of a hassle um, to have them there and be involved. And now that you guys have heard how the wedding went down and all the roles that my sister was playing, I think you can imagine pretty clearly how it would have been if her kids were also there and thrown into the mix of all the shit that was already going on. So while it's a little sad that, you know, I don't have uh, pictures of them in like a baby tux and a baby dress, (laughs) there will be other opportunities. And I think it was the best for all parties involved that we had no super, super young kids at our wedding. The only kids at our wedding actually were Zach's niece and his two nephews, all of which were in the wedding party. So that's just how it worked out. Someone asked about my current skincare routine and said, your skin is gorgeous. Well, thank you so much. My skincare routine is insanely simple. I get my skin from my mom. She has the most incredible facial skin ever in existence. And she has been obsessive about it since the beginning of time. That's why it looks so fucking good. But her routine is also extremely simple. Like for as much as we love beauty and all of that, she never bought into having 
endless amounts of lotions and potions and like a 15 step skincare routine. And so I think that got passed down to my sister and I, because I think even Allie's skincare routine is very straightforward. So literally this is what I use. I wash my face with CeraVe hydrating facial cleanser and I put CeraVe moisturizing cream, not the daily moisturizer, but the actual really thick moisturizing cream on my face for my moisturizer. And that's it. That is literally what I use every single day, no matter what, sometimes twice a day. But if I like literally didn't do anything and I don't feel like I need to wash my face twice that day, then once a day. For a little bit, I was using um, a specific kind of makeup cleansing balm to sort of melt away my makeup. But I just kind of started to realize it was a little too much work for me. Like I said, like my routine is very simple and I felt like it added a layer of complexity that I don't have the time for. So most days, if I'm wearing a full face of makeup, I will take it off with, yes, you guessed it, CeraVe makeup remover wipes. I'll take off as much as I can with those and then I'll use Um, Neutrogena's oil-free eye makeup remover to get my mascara and all of that off. And then I'll wash my face with the CeraVe hydrating facial wash and slather my face in the CeraVe moisturizing lotion. And I am good to go. I mean, I definitely have face oils and serums that I've bought in the past that are still in my beauty cabinet. And if I'm feeling extra one night, I will load up and like put them on but mostly it's those two things and you know they're so gentle my skin can be really sensitive so I don't use fancy stuff like I love CeraVe because it's so simple and it's not packed down with ingredients and it's all fragrance free which you know sensitive skin loves so those are my tried and trues and I'm sorry that I don't have a more complex answer for you. Someone asked for a Peloton treadmill review and then followed up and said, can you get the same idea with streaming classes through an iPad? So the way that I got started with Peloton was via my phone with their app. Like the tread is a very new thing, but I was, you know, I introduced myself to the whole concept of Peloton with just their app. And I did that because I kept seeing Merritt Beck from the Beck and Call podcast post about her Peloton walks and runs, and I just never thought to look into that because I I know that she has a Peloton bike and a treadmill, and so I was like, well, I mean, I can't do what she's doing because I don't have the equipment, and then I don't know, just hit me over the head one day like, yes, I can. I can use the fucking app, and I can use the treadmill at the gym or the plain treadmill we have at home to do these workouts like I don't I don't know why I didn't realize that before anyway so um that worked for me for a while for like a few months while I was getting into Peloton and I fucking loved it but I fell in love with it so hard that I was like okay now I want the Peloton tread like for me using the app on my phone was a really good test run to see just how much I liked the Peloton workouts and you know what all was offered to me and help me decide if, you know, I wanted to invest in something like the treadmill or the bike. And then lo and behold, my fucking incredible husband got us the Peloton treadmill 
um, as my wedding present. And it is fucking incredible. I mean, if you if you have already done the Peloton app thing on your phone and you are really in love with it, like obsessed, you want to keep going. It's like what you use to do your cardio. I would say that the treadmill is more than worth it. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a difference, but I mean, it's a massive difference. It's like a totally immersive experience when you have the actual treadmill because the screen is so big and I swear you like step on it and the sound quality and everything, it makes you feel like you're really there in the studio. Like, you know, I didn't mind looking at everything on my phone. And like you said, it sounds like you're going to be doing it on an iPad, which is really smart and probably what I should have been doing. So I had like a bigger screen than my phone. But again, like I would just say that if you are truly obsessed with the Peloton treadmill workouts and the cardio and think it's something that you're going to be doing for a long while, I think looking into investing into the treadmill is completely worth it. You can absolutely do it off your phone or your iPad for forever. But in terms of like getting the full experience, I would say that the technology and everything with the Peloton treadmill is more than worth it. And I just fucking love it. I just love it so, so much. So that is my official review. Okay, the next question is, how do UNZ balance meal planning, cooking, taking care of boring but important adult stuff? So it's a partnership. Like that is the simplest answer that I can give you. And remember that when I moved in with Zach, it was the first time that I've ever lived with the man, with a significant other. And so, you know, I had all of these worries about who's going to do what and how it it was going to all balance out. But I worried for nothing because, you know, in the right partnership, it figures itself out. And as long as everyone is, you know, as long as you guys are like meeting each other in the middle and everyone's pulling their weight, then it's not a problem. And you also start to realize pretty quickly after you move in with someone um, who who excels in one area of chores where someone else may not excel. So like Zach and I, we do our own laundry. We put our own laundry away. When it comes to meal planning and cooking, that is all me. Like I love to do it. I love to cook and I'm a good cook. And so I have completely taken over that. Zach doesn't cook. Every once in a while, I'll get really burned out and I will ask him if he wants to cook something and he is always immediately like yes of course uh, I would love to I'll take care of dinner don't worry about it but most of the time I'm just a control freak with anything that has to do with food in the house because I just I love it I love that so much and you know he does like the more like man stuff like taking the trash out taking the trash back up dealing with like yard shit all of that but we really do try and balance the absolute best we can and I think that you really don't have to think about it too hard like it just should come pretty naturally and also try not to keep score because I think that gets you into a whole area of resentment that you can easily avoid if you just communicate and you know, share the responsibility. Like uh, we love our dogs equally the same. And some morning Zach is able to 
feed them and get them to go poop and all of that. So by that, the time I get up, all that's done. And then other mornings, he doesn't have the time for that and he's running late. And so I step in. But at night, like if that happens, he always comes home and feeds them and deals with them at night. I mean, it's just a balancing act. And yeah, I think you can find easy harmony in household chores when you guys are working together as a team. And speaking of dogs, someone asked, is Bowie 100% English bulldog? He's so cute, but so small. (laughs) Love this. Love this question. So specific and so observant. So yes, Bowie is 150% English bulldog, but he was the runt of the litter. His sister is probably like double his size and same exact litter um zach's business partner actually owns bowie's sister and so when they get together to play it's literally the funniest fucking thing in the entire world like if you have not witnessed two bulldogs playing you are missing out in life but yeah she is she's a chunk like she is a true meaty ass thick ass english bulldog whereas bowie is definitely thick and he looks exactly like an English bulldog and he is an English bulldog, but he is for sure on the small side. And honestly, I think Zach and I are both really happy that it worked out like that. Like we didn't plan that. Zach wasn't like, I want the smallest in the litter. Bowie was just handed to us and we took him for who he was. And he is just perfect. He's like a pocket-sized bulldog I think he's like 53 pounds and that's you know at his max like he's going on two and a half so he's not gonna get any bigger unless we fuck up and make him really fat which we don't have plans of but yeah he is for sure on the smaller side and now having like a smaller English bulldog I can't imagine what it's like to have like a a regular sized English bulldog I don't know if I would be able to handle that so yeah okay so here is the last question of today. So this person actually wrote me a message, which by the way, if you follow That's What He Said, the podcast on Instagram, I fucking love when you guys DM me on there. Like it just makes me so happy because I only want to receive messages on there that are specifically about the show. And it's such an amazing way for me to get direct feedback. So please don't ever, ever hesitate to DM that account directly. I can't wait to talk to you on there. So this follower says, or listener, I should say, said, hi, Emma, too long for the question box, but sending you a question for this week's episode. My husband and I are throwing a holiday housewarming party in a few weeks to celebrate our new house. We have 30 plus people coming from various friend groups. I'm feeling good about our food and drink spread, but I'm wondering if we need to have some sort of activity. With how many people we have coming, I don't want to do a white elephant elephant and I don't want anything too cheesy do you have any good ideas for things that could help break things up or bring life to the party if things drag what are your favorite things when you are a guest at a party wow I love this question so fucking much so my initial reaction to this is that with 30 plus people coming I don't think you need an activity girl like that is a lot of people and it reminds me of that great Gatsby quote about I think Daisy said it and it's about how she likes larger parties because they're more intimate whereas small parties feel just like too intimidating because at a small party with just a couple of guests you're like really having to talk and interact with everyone and everyone hears everything but at a large party you can have like 
tons of little one-off conversations that not everyone is going to hear and be focused on. So I really think that with 30 plus guests, they are going to be completely entertain amongst themselves. The only thing that I'll say is if you want to liven it up or like have an activity to fall back on, obviously like drinking games are always great. I know that is kind of like juvenile to suggest, but like we all still have a little bit of that in us. So I think, you know, if there's a lull and you want some friendly competition, you can always play a, a a number of different drinking games. I will also say that one of the most fun party games ever to me is a game called Salad Bowl. And I first played this game many New Year's Eves ago at one of my best friend's houses. And it involves teams. So you could very easily, I mean, not everyone has to play if they're not into it, but like if a good amount of people, like at least like 10 people are wanting an activity, you can play this game and I will link it in the show notes. I'm not even going to try and explain the rules of this game. Um, They seem really complicated at first, but they're really not. It just involves words on pieces of paper in a big bowl and basically teams go back and forth picking them out and trying to guess them so it's like charades but there are different levels to the game and you sort of progress as you go along and it can get really loud and it takes you know a lot of like acting skills and it's super 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 fun so maybe that could be a fallback to you but you know, for me, if I'm invited to a party with 30 plus guests, I absolutely am not expecting there to be any activity. Like I go to parties for the food and drink anyway. So I really think, like you said, you're feeling really good about your spread. So I think as long as, you know, drinks are flowing and the food's delicious and there are that many people there, like people will find conversation amongst themselves for sure. Oh, and of course, if weather permits, you can always, you know, go to the classics. Like if you have cornhole or like someone can bring that over or if you want to do, you know, beer pong or something like that, if the occasion calls for that. But again, I feel like I've said this 17 times, but I really, really think you're going to be okay. And it sounds like it's just going to be a really lovely adult holiday party and you're going to have a lot of shit to talk about the people who come and act out or get overserved while they're there. And I'm honestly really jealous that I'm not invited. So thanks for nothing. Okay, guys, that concludes the Ask Me Anything segment. Thank you guys so much for sending in questions. It's always really fun to do these and sort of like break up the content every now and again. And I'm very excited because I'm kind of continuing on the questions thing for next week. I'm going to have my mom on the podcast. Yes, the one and only Ellen. She hasn't been on in fucking forever. And I decided that she had to make an appearance before the end of the year. So by the time you're listening to this, I've probably already put a questions box out there asking you guys for questions you want to ask my mother directly. So definitely be sure to tune in next week so you can hear 
whatever the hell Ellen has to say. And also, if you're feeling giving and in the holiday spirit and you haven't yet, please leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really jolly, you can take a second to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love seeing them. I love reading them. And I love you guys. And yeah, I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend and I will meet you here next week. Same spot, same time. Bye.